Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 11 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, my name is Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Listen, at the top of the list uh, for, for today's show, it's Michigan. I got to go to Michigan for a minute. But I, let me say it, it's the same in most of the purple or blue states. So the, this is a headline. <laughs> it reads, Michigan GOP faces imminent default on credit line as ex-budget committee member, the ex-budget committee member who just resigned from the state Republican Party's budget committee. Listen, guys, the reason I wanted to start with this one of the points that you made, Miles Bauer, several years ago is that we're watching, and I can't, I can't even paraphrase it anymore, but the moral of it seemed to be along the path that we're witnessing the first major shift in both political parties since post-World War II. Is that accurate? Yep. Okay. That is so, it. And so the, 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 here's what's causing me to, I want you guys just to noodle on this. I want everybody to noodle on this thought for a moment. First off, I agree with you, Miles Bauer, and as you two know and everybody that's listened to the show for a while knows, I used to be pretty deeply involved in Michigan Republican Party politics. I've served as a district chair for several terms, served as the chair of the policy committee. I, I was very deep involved in a budget committee before that. My point approaching it that way is we're watching the current state Republican Party that's depending on who's telling the story, somewhere around $500,000 upside down. So the the news all over the state of Michigan, it's the same in other states, folks. The news is reporting that they're, they're getting ready to have their lines of credit zapped and their negative bank accounts. They've, they've probably got compliance issues coming, both state and federal, with things that are supposed to be reported like them or not their law. Um, and and here's what it occurred to me as we watch this this push and shove over who controls what voice controls the Republican Party in total, by the way, because I spent the week watching calls for Ronna McDaniel to get removed as chair of the RNC. It's the same exact argument that I witnessed from a position within the party for the two years leading up to where we're at. Here's what I'm wanting to know, guys. When I look at the Internet and the way social media works in total, it has largely replaced much of what the party used to do. And that's a fascinating thing. So it used to be if you wanted to find out what's going on locally, who are my candidates and all that, you reached out to your county party. Called you, Every county in the United States that I'm aware of has some level of a county Republican and Democrat party. So if you're a Democrat, you'd reach out to your Democrat party. You'd reach, if you're a Republican, you'd reach out. Well, the Internet's changed all that. It's changed how we communicate. And I don't think that the parties, neither party, by the way, has adequately filled the vacuum that I think has been left by them. So... Before I get too deep into this, I'm not trying to do a monologue, Ludwig, so don't yell at me. 
Uh, Miles Bauer, do you see what I'm saying when I say maybe the maybe the party structures themselves have just run out of purpose or gas? What do you think, Miles Bauer? Well, I think that the Democrats are way ahead of the Republicans taking advantage of social media. I agree with that. I think that's exactly true. But part of the interesting fact on this is that it could be easily argued that the Republican Party is in the middle of a civil war, an internal battle for whose voice is biggest, etc. And there are certainly two extremely different views of the basic thing, for instance, what is the purpose of a party? That argument in itself is really echoing everywhere within the grassroots movement. What is the purpose of a party? If you ask a guy like me that's been around in the party for 20 plus years, my answer is it's a get out the vote machine. That's what it is, period. Other side of that argument says, no, Mike, you don't, you don't, you're all wet. It's an ideological machine. This is what we use to define who we are as a party. And I say, no, that's just not true. In the primary, you pick the candidates that define who you are. That's how our primary system works. So if you've got five candidates and you're very right wing, you're going to look for a very right wing person. If you're centrist, you're going to pick a centrist person. And that's how we end up getting into the debate over different districts in any state. It doesn't matter what state we're debating. It could be Arizona, Michigan, Georgia, Alaska. It doesn't matter. Those districts are different. I can tell you from doing statewide uh, campaigns myself, within the Republican Party, that the things that are viewed, I'll use Michigan as an example, if you go to Alpena, Michigan, up in the northern eastern border, and, and listen to what the Republicans want there, they've got very different views on what are needed than the Republicans do in Grand Rapids or we're in Holland, Michigan, where we broadcast from. They're different. They're different. They're different. And, and I say, yeah, but the problem with it is, is that you want the party to be all of these things, and it's not. It's a get-out-the-vote machine. That's truly all it does. And I got to tell you, gentlemen, I get some seriously hard pushback on that. And I say, okay, well, when you were reinvented as an ideological machine and it's broken and dysfunctional, how does that work out for you? Yeah, but don't, 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 don't you think both parties are just coalitions of various different factions? I agree with that entirely. I absolutely yeah. agree. And that's the battle within both parties. It is a coalition, but a coalition of different groups. But most of those groups want, they want to be the front leader. They want the voice. We want to be the, you know, we, so you've got, if you look at the Republican side, we've got a strong band of a libertarian or liberty driven people within our group. We've also got evangelical people and we've also got establishment policy wonks. That's what we've, that's those, Ronald Reagan went through this with his, with his uh, three-legged stool with trying to define who are the major groups, but all of those, all, Pat Robertson comes to mind, all of those groups vie for leadership within the party. And I think. Yeah, but Mike, I mean, you're even seeing in Dearborn, Tlaib is tearing the Democrats apart. She is, but listen, she's even on the list today. Because when we get 
we're over here yelling about freedom of speech. I don't agree with anything that person says. But the Constitution of the First Amendment isn't designed to protect stuff I agree with. It's designed to protect stuff I disagree with. So I wrestled really hard with that censure that the House just did. I thought, wait a minute. You don't like what she said, but she has the right to say it no matter how buffoonish it is. She has a right to say it. Ludwig, what do you think? Are, are Miles and I both wrong? What do you think? No, but to get back to the party thing, yep. I think that there's a necessary need for it. Um, you still have local events. You still have to have an organizational structure in order for all candidates local from that way up to have a one message, one stance type thing so they're all on the same page. There's still parades. There's still those things. Really, what Internet's taken over is the ability to find out who your candidates are, reach your masses. But, but again, yard signs, you still got to collect somewhere. Do we need these massive county budgets? Probably not. But the other thing, too, these parties do is fundraise. And if we don't have a party in the county, where's the funds going to be? And that's at? exactly I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm down to seconds before we've got to go to a break. But when I look at how Democrats fund versus how Republicans do, I'm looking at a list, folks. One side is progressive organizations. The other side is conservative organizations. The progressive organizations are the result of the Democrat Civil War and how they figured out how to deal with us. Listen, we've got to go to a break, but we're going to pick it up right there. So here's what I'm trying to get at. You know, Reagan said, and I'm paraphrasing, but we can get a lot done if we don't care who gets credit for it. And what what I'm seeing is like the fathead brigade because everybody wants to be the smartest person in the room. They're tripping over themselves to have, be in power and be the person that knows everything, and I'm the guy in control. You go, oh, stop it. I look at what the left does, and this is just in Michigan, but it's true in every single state in the union. I'm counting 25 financial organizations that have replaced what the Democrat Party used to do. So they've got what I think of as an umbrella organization. They're national. So just as a couple examples, uh, uh, Arabella or Democracy Alliance, they're huge fundraising machines, huge. And they sprinkle it down a list of 25, 25 other state organizations so they look at a district, they do polling, they look at a district, they say, okay, in that district, uh, the abortion issue is a big issue. So we're going to bring in, we'll tell these groups, to these two groups that deal with the abortion issue, you guys really need to focus on district, whatever the number is. All right, that issue is really anti-gun. So the Democrats on their anti-gun wing, you need to really get in that one. They coordinate. These financial institutions set up as political action committees coordinate money. That's what they do. They coordinate money. And if I look at the right side, there's probably four or five meaningful organizations in the state of Michigan, not 25 or 30, and they don't work together. Guess what we get? What we got? So let me ask a question. Do you think PACs should be illegal or illegal? PACs? Yeah, because... If you donate to a campaign, you're maxed out at like 2600 per individual. Yeah. 
But you can go donate twenty six million to a pack, and they can spend unlimited. Right. So, but but they've got a lot of laws, and I sit on a couple pack. Yeah, boards. they do. Listen, the bottom line is I'm in favor of political action committees. I'm not a big lobbyist fan, but lobbying is a separate issue. And on the other hand, if we're going to cause a corporation to serve itself as an individual and then say you are an individual, but you do not have the right to represent yourself on the political arena, we can't have it both ways. That's my view on that. But but I am telling you what I said right before we went to break, um, and that is the Democrats have already went through a civil war. Yes, they're still having fights like the Tlaib drama, like the Manchin drama. They've still got struggles, but their funding mechanism, how they get the vote out, they are masters oh. at getting the vote out while we're busy calling each other names. That Tlaib one is simply political. They're heading into an election year next year. They have a big Jewish base. That That is not because they stand up for the Jewish people. I don't understand what you just said. This is the opposite of standing up for Jewish people. By censuring She's a, her? You think that censure did anything for Jewish people? Well, it, they, what she was saying is why they think that, oh, the Jew, the Jewish uh, voters will be like, yeah, they, they care about us. They don't want us to Well, the Republicans, you know, first that. off, the Republicans led that censure drive. Yeah. So it's not like the Democrats are using this as a, as a campaign tool. They will. Well, they, they use everything for a campaign yeah. tool. They don't have any moral or ethic bone in their body. No. Miles, what do you say on all this? First of all, Tlaib's already starting to get money due due to the censure. Yep, there you go. Um, I do distinguish between the First Amendment and that censure. I agree she has the constitutional right to be an anti-Semite. Right. Okay, but the House also has the ability to establish the way they choose to do business. Yeah, they're decorum. Yeah. You, you agree with them on that logic? Nothing yeah. is against the Constitution. What was the last thing? You, what's against Constitution? No, I said that she does have the right to say anti-Semitic statements. Right. However, the House also has the right to establish the way they wish to do business. Right. I, listen, I, I guess I, I, I think it's a political arena. And so if we're surprised that somebody has a political opinion or a political opinion that we disagree with, I'm torn on it, to be honest with you. I get you to his point, so I'm not arguing with you. I, I just, I wrestle with that. I really do. I don't agree with anything she says. I dislike her. Absolutely, passionately dislike her. But that doesn't, to me, that she's in a political chair. I get she's going to say stuff I don't, I don't agree with. Listen, let's move in a different direction. Let's suppose for a moment, because I promised last week we were going to do this. Let's suppose for a moment that the federal government actually followed and honored the Tenth Amendment. And what I'm getting at with this is when I look at most of the food fights we have in America, whether it's within the Republican Party, within the Democrat Party, or our culture in total, most of the food fights are over folks trying to get the federal government to advocate and legislate their social their social beliefs. You know, I, I believe X, Y, Z, so you, I demand that you be X, Y, Z. I don't think that's what the founders had in mind, and I'm not convinced that's the direction that we should be in. So let me read this, and I hate to read on the radio. I apologize, but I think it's important. 
The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution or prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectfully or to the people. That's the tenth. And so when I'm out on the campaign trail talking with people, and often I'll hear the tenth cited, and I'll say, okay, well, what's the ninth? That's when I get the deer in the headlight look. And the ninth is just as important. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Here's, here's my point. Every single thing that I see us do culturally that's an argument is over different voices trying to use the government to advance their ideologies. Miles, no, Ludwig, since you say I beat you out of, what's your opinion on this, Ludwig? Because you're, by the way, part of this coming up is you anyhow. So yeah, I know. You, <laughs> you might, as, might as well get your armored suit on. No, no. I think the, the, the 10th Amendment and the 9th Amendment, okay? Yep. Very important. Um, there be no cons- there be no America without the 10th Amendment. Yeah. yeah we, and the 9th serves to support the 10th. It's what kept us from having one national government instead of individual state governments. Well, none, none of the signers at the Constitutional Convention would have been on board without it. Exactly. And the debate over it was wrapped around the Bill of Rights. Yeah. So I think that the state should have the rights, and this is where it comes to things like the the, social issues. Or the people. The the people, yes. So if you want to continue cross-dressing, that's none of Miles and Mai's business. No, No, you should have that right. You should. I thought you did. Yeah, there you go. Keep going. So... Federal government can't just step in all the time. We, but on the other hand, I look at some states, and they'll fall back on the tenth. But then on other things, they're like, well, that's got to be a federal law, right? Like it's one way or another. This has become so politicized. The but, tenth it, Amendment. but it specifically says if it's not in this document, the Constitution, then it the it, the determination of it belongs to the states or to the people. Yeah. It doesn't like kind of leave that gray area. It's really specific. So when I start looking in the Constitution. For almost all of these social issues, by the way, I've got on my list of social issues the Civil Rights Act of 1964. If you read the Constitution, you don't need the Civil Rights Act. And by the way, I support the Civil Rights Act, so please don't take a shot at me. But but if I read the Constitution literally and I look to the Ninth and the Tenth Amendment, it's already there. The Civil Rights Act just codified what's supposed to be taken literally. Miles, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I sometimes scratch my head when I see re- Republicans wanting to pass a federal law concerning abortion. Right. For exactly the same reason that you, you just said. Abortion doesn't appear in the Constitution. The Constitution says... The question of abortion should go back to the states. Right. So let, let's just have 50 states figure it out. And yet you we have these people that want to turn abortion into a federal law. I don't get that. Well, I don't understand they, that. They want, their elect, they want their own ideology. They want their ideology codified. Listen, I got to stop you. We've got to go to a break. Folks, stay with us because we are just getting revved up. We'll be right back.
folks, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Listen, let me let me ring the bell. We are broadcasting from our flagship station in beautiful Holland, Michigan, on the shores of Lake Michigan, WHTC Holland, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM. But listen, if you're hearing us somewhere else, thank you very, very much for listening, and you are listening to the absolute best radio station in your community. We appreciate both our affiliates and our listeners. Thank you both very, very, very much. So, guys, let me, let's jump back in the social thing for a minute because I, I got to tell you, folks, very, very candidly to our listeners, I really wrestle with this one. It's not that I agree or disagree with all the different social issues. I'm, I'm about as conservative as you can possibly get. But I ponder and say, wait a minute, that's not what a purpose of our government is. Our government is not for me to be able to tell Ludwig how to live. I can coach you and counsel you, but as far as me trying to legislate against you to control your life, I think that's buffoonery. I think that's third world nation stuff. I'll make you agree with me. I'll have it legislated. I'll make you agree with me. Folks, that's not the arena of ideas. That's not the pursuit of the best ideas. That's third world banana republic stuff. I believe that passionately. And if I'm wrong, I'm okay. But you brought up a topic in our off-air exchange on this about ballot initiatives. But before you go, let me point out, folks, in all of the different states, the state laws are different on that. Miles calls in from from the the great the great state of Illinois. Illinois Stan. Yeah, and there you are in Illinois. You've got ballot initiatives, but those initiatives, as I understand it, are just recommendations to your legislature. Is that true, Miles Bauer? Yes. Now, and in Michigan, we can have a ballot initiative that can either be a new act, it can become law, or it can actually, depending on how it's written in its purpose, it can actually become an amendment to the state's constitution. Now, I, I only wanted to set that up so folks know why we're on this path. Different states have different things. I'm a ballot initiative fan. You tell me where I'm wrong. No, no, see, the, the thing is you're setting this up as if I say, think you're wrong. I'm, I don't think you're wrong on that. No, I'm not. What, what, good, the, good point. Here's the, here's the reality. To have these things on the ballot yep. already shouldn't happen. Why? Number one, we've already elected people there to represent us. If they're really there to represent us, they should be making this stuff laws without us having to do an initiative. On the state level. State, federal, whatever. But okay. We're going to stick with the state because that's what we're talking about. Okay. So they're not doing it. So now we have to have these things. What I know is, as a Michigan, and I just saw it this week in the elections, they're using these ballot initiatives to win seats. And the Republicans, prior to us in Michigan, they were going to uh, legalize marijuana. The Republicans were. Right. And they didn't. And it was stupid on them. They didn't or they couldn't? They did not. But they couldn't. But they didn't. They didn't have the votes. Okay, so they didn't. Okay, but <laughs> but and, and now you're watching a whole bunch of articles being written in the Detroit News and in other places about how big money exchanged hands. So the, 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 the like 80 grand went into this Senate, state senator's campaign account. 120 grand went that big money. Here's the problem that I have. I wrestle with this on a state level again, just like the other issue. I do, because I'm a, I'm I'm a Thomas Jefferson fan. If you don't find the folks capable of 
and I'm really paraphrasing, but if you don't find them adequate to be the, the proper stewards of, of liberty, then educate them. Don't take the power from them. And yeah. I, I like ballot initiatives, but let me tell you who I think is wrong. But I haven't even got to my point yet. I, because you don't have them, but I'll let you get there. When I look at these ballot initiatives in Michigan, the Democrats masterfully use them as get-out-the-vote tools. The Republicans never do. That's my point. I've sat at the table within the Republican Party going, what are we going to do for a ballot initiative to get our folks out? And everybody stared at me like I had a Cyclops eye. That was two years ago, how things worked out since then. But social issues like this don't move the vote for Republicans like it does the youth and women. That's a major makeup of the Democrats. So go back to the marijuana example. We knew it was going to pass if it went to the ballot. Right. When it went to the ballot, it became now 60 plus one votes in the Senate to make any rule changes. Right. Instead of a 50 plus one. So now that rule can't be changed without going to 60 plus one, which will not happen. So the rule, the law written on that ballot initiative was awful. Yes. They should have passed it knowing that's what the people wanted. That's what the people wanted. And if you're really about what the people wanted, whether or not Mike or Matt or Ludwig or Miles or Bill or Mark or anybody else wants it, the people said, we're going to vote for it. Now, we've had the reverse where we voted on an initiative and we said we don't want a gas tax and the Senate still passed it. Yep. So Republicans did that, by the way. Exactly. That was that was Rick O. Snyder, as I affectionately call him. So instead of Republicans seeing the writing on the wall of, hey, we're going to lose our seats, which means we're going to lose our ability to govern in a strong, conservative economic manner over this social issue, let's figure out a way to compromise before that happens. We're an absolute no. We're not going to. And then we let the people go to the box, and it drives out the voters who may not usually go, which are really the youth and the middle-aged white woman. Yeah, but here's the problem. Where you're you, amped up over these issues. Where you and I are different on this, and, and by the way, you may, Miles can correct me, but I think you and him actually agree. When I looked at the 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 collapse of Senator Arlen Meekoff's advance to push forward a, a more controllable marijuana uh, legislation, there was three or four um, legislators that said no. So you had the entire Democrat Party say, absolutely not, because they don't care whether you smoke dope in mama's basement or not. They wanted it as a, as a get-out-the-vote machine. Yeah, so they said no. That's all they wanted, so they said no. But, yeah, but, 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 but uh, Lud, hang on, the, hang the, on. My, my, my only pushback to what, what you are saying is that, is there a place on the hill that you die? Is, is there a principle where you are willing to lose your seat for? We did. We watched that, and four or five Republican legislators said, we ain't voting for it, we don't care, and it's because they came from very conservative districts. And so they won a hill to die on. They knew if they voted for it that they'd get booted out by the, by the very, con- very conservative in their district. So they refused to join with the, the bulk, and that's why it failed. That was the point I was trying to lead into, Miles, is that it's exactly what I've been preaching all along. It's district by district. This is by the votes of the folks, and the folks in those districts said, if you do that, we will primary you. We will launch you into space if you vote for that nastiness. Okay, so question, then, then as a good legislator, shouldn't you go to your district and state, if I don't, we will have a this three districts lose, 
to a Democrat. How do you do that? What do you mean? You... How do you do that? How do you go talk to 300,000 people in a, inside a month to tell them, all 300,000 of you, please sit down. I want uh, to tell you, you how this to. works. You just go to your county parties, and that's the most people that really pay attention to what you did on that vote anyways. All 30 in each one of them? Yeah. All 30 in each one of them? Yeah, if you have to. All 30. No, or, not or, 30. Hang on. Not 30 counties. 30 people in each county do not move 300,000 votes. Well, 300,000. That's my point. You're, you're, but you're, that's saying that 300,000 people actually paid attention to a local vote. Well, there you go. We know they don't. Then I guess it doesn't matter no matter what we say. So they should have voted then. Now you've, now you've blamed it on the citizens. That's what you guys are always mad at me for doing. No, no. I'm not mad at you for that because I don't think you're wrong. There's just no solution to fix it. Are you not in favor of ballot initiatives? I think if they're a suggestion to the legislature, so yes. You, you if like they're constitutional amendments, no. You like Illinois' version, yeah. which, which I think is a waste of time. Miles, you live it. Is it a waste of time or a good thing? No, I'd say, well, I mean, given that we're about as blue as blue, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's... They don't need I mean, it. Cause when, I, when I vote, it's based, basically an act of futility. I'll no. tell you when they should do them then. If they're going to be that way, they should be in the May election, the March election, the May, not the November election. That's how they get funding in Michigan because nobody votes in the May election. So everybody that wants the school funding, et cetera, the folks that actually want it, they're the ones voting. Everybody else goes, I'm not voting. There's nothing to vote for. Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back. Listen, Brian, do us a favor. i got to take us in a different direction. Will you play that 60-second spot for us, please? Mike Hewitt here. I was going to provide a historical report on how the Nazis courted the Islamic world during World War II, unified in their hatred of Jewish people. But let's focus instead on what's going on in our universities and on city streets across America. Is the fringe left's hatred of Jewish people founded in an error belief that Jewish people are white and Hamas represents people of color? Or is there support for the terrorist organization Hamas rooted in classism? You know, reject power, reject wealth, reject success, blame failure on successful people, etc. Are they an extension of the 1960s radical left? blindly railing against whatever they imagine the establishment is and wants. As long as we have Americans cheering hostage-taking, persecution, and terrorism, we are less than we can and should be. That while good people are being savaged, we could be helping. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll like it. So listen, guys, I'm reading a title. This is, <laughs> this is a title from the New York Times. After anti-Semitic attacks, colleges debate what kind of free speech is out of bounds. Pro-Palestinian students say that they are speaking up for an oppressed people, but critics say that their rhetoric is deeply offensive. And I add, I get that the New York Times is not so much, but I, but listen, <laughs> Miles, you're probably not a New York Times fan. No, that's that's all the garbage that fits in the trash. 
But listen, they're on to something with the story. And 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 I, I did the New York Times, frankly, because I could have found hundreds of them. I chose the New York Times because they are uber leftist, crazy leftist. That's because they're funded that way. That's how they're funded now. They're not selling them extra, extra out on the news streets. They're, they're strictly getting their revenue from people that are paying to read uber crazy far left fringe stuff. And that's okay, but it brings back the same thing I was saying about Tlaib early in the show, Rep Tlaib. When I look at this, first off, I, I wonder what's going on with young people that it makes sense to them, and I'm not trying to be shrill, folks, but it makes sense to young people to act like Nazis running around painting Star of David's as, as graffiti on and using fear tactics and threatening people, and in many cases in the United States actually assaulting people that that are that they believe are are of of Jewish faith. Miles, how, how do we get here? Who is this that that makes that this makes sense to? The only thing I can possibly imagine, and you've heard me say this on the uh, show before, is that um, schools are just no longer teaching history any anymore because when. When I see what's what's going on here, this is right out of my history book when I was a kid, talking about 1930s Germany. Exactly right. So Jewish organizations building at Boston University vandalized with anti-Semitic graffiti. Uh, I, listen, I found endless examples from shore to shore, not just in universities, but specifically most at least the articles were written about universities. And in large part, these are the same people that were marching around with with all of the things that I consider to be countercultural. And, and it's their, their, I get that it's their First Amendment. I'm not trying to silence them. I'm just saying, what is in your heart? that you can't decide whether you're just a crazy fringe left communist or a, a Hitlerite or I, I don't Ludwood. You're a professor at a university. How does this make sense to what are you seeing on the ground? Let me ask you that way. I don't see any of this around there. But you, I, I can tell you this. If they're on a student visa or uh, getting any kind of financial aid, it should all be stripped. You I, may have the right, but that doesn't mean you have the right to the privilege of the money. Or the accessibility to be here. Uh, you're so you're, but but listen, I want to make sure you clarify that for me. Are you saying to, to strip somebody's financial aid because they say anti-Semitic rhetoric, or because they've assaulted somebody? Both. Hey, I, I don't, Miles. What do you think mm, about that? No, 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 Lud. Because who gets to sit on the Jedi High Council? That's exactly and what I mean. Yeah, what is good and what is bad? Right. Well, they don't mind doing it to other students. But, but I don't want. To, but listen, I don't want to beat. So my, if it's going to be a rule, be a rule. I don't want to beat my opponents by being like them. I, I, and I'm the opposite guy, by the way. If I've gotten snarky emails to this show because I thank Democrats for listening to the show. These aren't American students uh, that are doing this stuff. Oh no, you're very wrong. No, no, I'm that. not wrong. Some of these, most of these, are not American you're, students. You're wrong about that. 
I'm okay. just telling you. I'm not saying that they're all American. I'm, I'm not if saying you're not that American either. and you're doing this, you're but you're talking Lisa about you're talking Vaughn. about a very small group within within the anti-Semitic. You're thinking about somebody from the Middle East here on a scholarship. That's not who I'm seeing when I'm looking at who's picketing in major cities. Are those folks there? Yes. But is that the majority? Absolutely not. I'm talking about the college campuses. Not, I am too. Not, not like the they're, they're, guy in L.A. that got killed, the Jewish old man who got killed because he got hit in the head with a megaphone. Right. I, I just, I, I, I read that stuff. And Miles, you were right. It goes back to 1930s Germany. Yep. And I, we could split hairs forever on where these people come from. The majority that I saw were actually Caucasian educated in the United States, whether they're, whether they're natural, I don't know their, their histories, but they're Caucasian to physically look at them in the parades and in the graffiti marks and all of that. So I just, I just saw a, a player from University of Michigan get expelled, lose a scholarship because he put some anti-Semitic thing on a rock. Right. What do you think of that? I think it was right. You think it was right in expelling him? Uh, kicking him off the team and taking a scholarship away, absolutely. What do you think of that, Miles? So again, I, 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 I think it goes back to every institution, just like the House of Representatives, everyone gets to set their uh, standard as to how they op operate. Because uh, so if the University of Michigan thinks anti-Semite views are wrong, then that's the way the University of Michigan chooses to op operate. And that's my point, is that they're all about protection and the free and equal and safe right to uh, and safe environment for learning, because that's all I hear about and see. I see these signs everywhere on campus. Safe yeah, environment. But, but, uh, but then I that, that also means I could get expelled if I wear a MAGA hat on campus. Right. That's exactly my point. And in fact, by the way, but you I, re are. I remember going to a university, where was that? Grand Valley State University, meeting a congressional um, group there for a tailgate party, and I wore my Michigan Republican Party hat. Holy smokes, folks. Folks, you can't imagine. Hey, so let me ask it, the responses the I got from students because I had a Republican hat on. The First Amendment doesn't protect against speech that threatens or or, or threatens other people or that we just like. Yeah. So, so when they're talking about destroying the Jewish people, killing the Jewish people off the face of the earth, that is not protected by the First Amendment. That's I agree. That's different. So those are what we're seeing here. Right. And when that's being said. Your scholarship should be pulled. You're talking about hurting others. So I'm watching, this is, let me just entertain myself for a second. I'm sorry. I'm watching TV. By the way, folks, I got like 5 billion channels. They're all terrible. Absolutely the worst TV ever. <laughs> yep. Just ever. When they went on strike, I could care less. I'm just I didn't even notice. Just absolute trash. So I'm watching Family Ties. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. Michael J. Fox. From 1980s. Yep. And the episode I'm watching the other day was about book banning yep. from the 80s. And what they were talking about book banning was Huck Finn. Yeah. Big drama. That work. was the left 
wanting to ban the book. Mm-hmm. The left banning the book. And the reason I'm bringing that up real briefly is that now we've spent the summer gone by listening to the left yelling about Republicans, conservatives wanting to ban porn. They call banning porn in the public school school library as book banning. I thought, wait a minute. If if that's true, we learned it from you. I just find it fascinating. And what's more ironic is even the side that was asking for that book not to be in the school was even in the compromise of we'll compromise that it can be here, but it has right. to be checked out by a parent consent. And they right. were like, nope. Well, the book banning topic from the left and now to the right yeah. reminded me of the establishment. Miles, I stuck that in that 60-second piece for you. Because in the 60s, the counterculture people were all about bringing down the establishment. It's the same exact rhetoric, almost word for word. It's a, it's an absolute fall down, slap your knees, hoot. That's that's, I just, I. It reminds me a little bit of line item veto, when the Republicans wanted it, and now they think it's unconstitutional. Folks, come on. Yeah, we it, got, we've got to reel our representation in and get their feet back on the ground. Is my humble opinion. Listen, we're out of time. Please, please, please be safe. Thank you very, very much for listening to us. Find us on Spotify. Find us on Apple Podcast. Look us up at whtc.com. Folks, thank you very, very much. We'll see you next week.